It's Monday, August 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Barker. Good to see you. Good to be here. It is good, good to, to have be you here. back. It's, it's yeah, it's nice to be back. Had a, had a little time off last week, but it's nice to be back. Uh, we got real estate. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk retail. We've got investigations into financial shenanigans, and we have the latest earnings from a little Midwest conglomerate by the name of Berkshire Hathaway. But we're going to start with Marriott because Marriott's second quarter featured the first loss for the company in almost nine years, and yet shares of Marriott up about two percent this morning. Is this optimism or is this? the stock's already been beaten down enough, and we don't need a lot of optimism to bid it up just a bit. Uh, I think it's the latter. I think it has been plenty beaten down, let's call it 40% uh, for the year, something like that. And the maybe uh, the worst is, is behind it. Uh, hotel occupancy uh, was off 90% in April. Uh, and only 70% in July. So, that is, uh, in one sense, a big improvement. Uh, and in another sense, uh, shows just how far things still have to go, particularly in this country. Um, it's got international operations, largest uh, operator of, of hotels and hotel rooms in, in the world. And China is, is a bright spot, but uh, the U.S. is not and uh, can continue to be uh, lagging uh, is the expectation, although the company put tried to put good spin on what it could. To what extent, if any, did uh, the company on the conference call talk about uh, sort of what they learned in China and the way that they can apply that to what's happening here in the U.S. on Starbucks' most recent? Uh, quarterly report. That was something that uh, Kevin Johnson, the CEO, had talked a little bit about. I'm wondering if the same applies to Marriott, or are these businesses different enough um, that it doesn't really apply? Well, I was in and out of the call, so I, I can't be sure that that was covered. There definitely was coverage that China, I think the terminology was that COVID was not yet a thing of the past, but you know, it was almost in the category of back to normal. Uh, and in certain segments of the China travel, normal or even better than pre-COVID. So, uh, it's an entirely different story. And I'm not sure that Marriott addressed what it could do, what it had learned from China. Uh, I certainly got the feeling that it was hinting that uh, the U.S. government could learn from China and, and the lack of a strategy and the lack of um, you know the lack of strategy for how to deal with this was certainly impacting their business and they regretted that that was the case. Uh, you and I were talking earlier today. Um, uh, I was surprised to learn from you that one of the ways Marriott is trying to adapt to the complete plummeting of business travel is uh, by working with colleges. To um, to set up at least in the city of Boston, uh, to set up uh, essentially dorm arrangements for incoming students. Yeah, my son is going to be spending his uh, first term uh, at college in a uh, Weston hotel. Uh, so that I still think is not as good as fun as being in a lousy dorm room on campus. Uh, but 
in terms of second best, it's better than I guess what I and he were expecting uh, might be the case. So yeah, they're f- empty rooms. I mean, it's a a nice downtown Boston uh, business uh, conference uh, type hotel, and there aren't conferences to host. There aren't a lot of business travelers, and this is going to fill. I don't know exactly how many rooms, um, but plenty, and it'll fill them for September, October, November, you know, into the beginning of December, assuming that, you know, the college maintains uh, the on-campus program that it is planning on, and things are going to evolve and adapt. But uh, yeah, there are plenty of rooms available, and it's a happy uh, opportunity for the university and the hotel to work together uh, so that, you know, students are getting more space than is traditional. Uh, they're not crowding four to a room the way uh, I started out with college and probably you too. Well, let's stick with the theme of uh, figuring out creative ways to occupy empty space. Simon Property Group, which is the largest mall owner in America, is in talks with Amazon about the possibility of turning some of Simon's anchor department stores into Amazon distribution hubs. So instead of a Sears or a JCPenney anchoring that mall, it's going to be an Amazon fulfillment center, essentially, and no deal done, but shares of Simon Property Group up more than 5% this morning on this report. Yeah, doing a deal with Amazon uh, sounds good, Uh, and I think they've got a lot of these, well, specifically Sears and JCPenney uh, are going to be, or already have, evacuated a large amount of retail space, and they are... uh, uh, you know, Amazon can make use of it. And I think it's much easier, certainly for Amazon, to take up a lot of that space than, you know, the, the many sort of uh, small mall sized uh, stores that are going to be going out of business in between each other. You know, these are these are on the corners. These are, you know, they have a separate entrance uh, and, and loading center. So that space can be used as, as large as it is, um, that's a great opportunity for Amazon, great opportunity for uh, Simon Property. Uh, I, you know, I worry about all the smaller store size stores in between uh, that will be uh, closing in between now and especially, I think, after Christmas. Yeah, it really is, you know, on the surface, this appears to make sense for Simon Property Group. I'm assuming they are smart enough to realize how fundamentally this would change the business model that has worked for them up until this point, or certainly up until the last few years, which is to say, you have a huge anchor store that's going to bring people to the mall, and then the ripple effect for those smaller occupants of the mall um, is is a good one. You know. What, who's going to go to an Amazon distribution hub other than the people who work there? Um, so Rough, Roughly the same number of people who are going to Sears. Fair point. Um, but Possibly it, you know, more. Wouldn't you go to a mall to see... Like if if it were uh, there were glass and you could come out, you know, Starbucks, and you're walking around, you go 
past the empty payless shoes and and then you you know there's a big plate glass and you can watch like robots doing things for an app amazon distribution i would spend more time at the mall if that were the setup than the opportunity to go into sears on a short-term basis yes i absolutely would i would go check that out once i don't know that that's going to uh, bring me back in the way that you know 20 years ago you actually would go spend time in a mall uh well I, it depends on just how entertaining these robots are they're working they're not there to sing and dance <laughs> well, we're gonna find out and unfortunately my my fear is that we're not going to get the show that we deserve from the amazon robots that uh, you know these these things these distribution centers will be uh, close that we don't get to uh, study the Amazon uh, you know, business plan uh, up close. Maybe it becomes one more benefit for Prime members. It's like, oh, you got Prime Video, Prime Music. Oh, and you get a day pass to go to your local mall to watch the robots work. I, I think all of it, every one of these ideas sounds better than, well, or we could just keep running a Sears in that spot. That's true. Uh, shares of and Eastman. I, I say you're the one who has been kicking Sears more than anybody, at least on this this show. Uh, that's true, but I, I I didn't hear the word unfairly in that <laughs> sentence of yours. So um, let's move on to Eastman Kodak because shares are down more than thirty percent this morning because that uh, government loan of seven hundred sixty-five million dollars turns out that is now on hold due to. And I'm quoting here, recent allegations of wrongdoing. Uh, the SEC is investigating uh, stock options that were granted to Kodak executives one day before the loan was announced. This stinks. This whole thing just reeks. Yeah, unless this is completely different from what it really appears to be, uh, my hot take would be, uh, this is the end. For, for Kodak. Like, I, I think that uh, this is a, a, a potential scandal, which is, if, if it is what it seems to be uh, enough to finish off uh, the brand. And, and I don't know, that, that might be going too far. I would hate to uh, promote that, uh, considering there's still employees in, in Rochester, New York, uh, who have uh, families to take care of. Uh, but, you know, what little was left of Kodak uh, could, could be uh, highly imperiled by uh, a scandal. So, this is a story that played out over the past week when I was on vacation. Every now and then, I would look at news on my phone. And uh, one day, I was scrolling through, and I saw some headline about Kodak stock skyrocketing. And I didn't even click on the story to see what it was. I just looked at that and thought to myself, I don't know what that is, but I can't imagine that's going to last. Um, so the loan they were going to get was, uh, and I probably should have explained for those unfamiliar, and if you're, you're under, I don't know, if you're under the age of 40, you're completely forgiven for not knowing the name Eastman Kodak. For a very long time, it was a successful name brand in the film business. They made film for cameras. In the Nifty 50, going far enough back, sure. Exactly. Great Dow Um, component. And uh, just has steadily declined to the point where it has been a penny stock for years. 
Um, the loan they were going to get was to do what exactly? Uh, it was to develop uh, uh, drug components, I believe. Uh, and I think that that is you know, the kind of operation that uh, Kodak, we, we did not need Kodak in there. It, it's already a populated space. So why this money was going to go to Kodak is something that is obviously going to be investigated. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that, that deserves investigation uh, is going to receive it. It's, it's all over the headlines and it just is a big problem for this company. Well, and as, as you mentioned earlier today when we were chatting, the stock chart is probably going to end up being, uh, as you said, the classic middle finger stock. Where it's just it's a penny stock, it's flatlining for a very. If you look at a one-year chart of Kodak stock, it's just this flat line. It spikes and now it's coming right back down again. Yeah, I mean the the seven hundred and fifty seven hundred and sixty million dollar loan to to launch Kodak Pharmaceuticals, uh, which would produce generic uh, ingredients uh, that, that. So, you know the uh, the best presentation of this was this was part of uh, work to uh, drop America's dependency on uh, foreign drug makers and the producers of, of the active pharmaceutical ingredients, uh, which are largely done abroad, launch that. Um, Kodak is not the place that you would have expected that work uh, to start or the ongoing work that is being done in the U.S. Um, to, uh, to be grown. Uh, so, let's, let's find out why. Is, is I think where we are, and in between now and when we really get the full story, I think that the uh, interest in helping out Kodak is going to be outweighed by the interest in getting away from a scandal. And those uh, government decision makers aren't going to be taking additional chances to help out Kodak unless there is just just a complete miscommunication uh, that has gone on. Uh, in a way that uh, would be very surprising. Berkshire Hathaway's second quarter results came out late on Friday, as per tradition for Berkshire Hathaway. Q2 results were highlighted by the company buying back a record amount of its own stock, $5.1 billion worth of buybacks. And I get that when you're sitting on a pile of money that is $140 billion high, that's just a small fraction. That's still more than what Berkshire spent for all of 2019 in terms of buybacks. Yeah, well, it's a very low bar to clear in terms of historic Berkshire buybacks. It's not been a company that has been interested in doing that. And people have asked, you can go back decades, uh, the question of, what about a buyback? And, and that is not Buffett's preferred method of capital allocation. So, if this was a record, let's frame it first as it's a $500, million, $500 billion market cap company, $5 billion, that's 1% of, of the size of the company, has, has now, within a quarter, been allocated to buying back its own shares. Do that all year round, you're buying back 4% of your shares. So, that's not if if this were maintained it would still not be a particularly interesting amount 
but as a direction, just as you know, when Berkshire moves into making investments in um, Apple, and it's always interesting what Berkshire is doing with its money uh, because of Buffett's historical record. The the outcome of really of the last fifteen years uh, has been a basically market average stock, basically on par with the S and P. Yeah, among other things, this quarter was a reminder that it's nice to have a bunch of shares of Apple in your portfolio, which Berkshire Hathaway does. Yes, that is offsetting both uh, some lesser investments uh, in terms of publicly traded companies and how they've performed, and you know the the timing of getting in and out of the airline stocks. But also, more importantly, the the underlying businesses, which are largely or uh, industrial, uh, and so those have been hit and continue to be hit. Uh, not to the tune, as we mentioned before, of, of Marriott. They they didn't lose 90, 80, 90 percent of their business, but you know even uh, you know great railroads uh, like it has uh, are shipping less things were especially earlier in in the year. So things are on the way up industrially for Berkshire. Uh, but uh, you know, it's 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 weighed down by a lot of sort of old economy investments, and helped out to a good degree by Apple, but not enough to make it a particularly well-performing stock this year. Bill Barker, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.